This week as we start the Christmas series, I want to start off by talking about a new hope. Not an old cliche from Oprah. Some of us, that's, that's the good news that we hold on to. Can I tell you, get rid of the old tired uh, adages of Oprah. God has a new hope for every one of us. God has something fresh. You don't want something old, worn, and tired. Do you know what regifting is? Yeah, you, regifting is where you get a gift, you don't like it, you wrap it up again and you give it to somebody else. And you know you're probably getting a regifting when somebody gives you a gift and they say this I had one of those and I thought you might like it. Listen to the, listen to the language. They're re-gifting something and giving it to you. We don't want to have an old thing. We need God to do something new in our life. A new hope. But what is hope? Is hope just a warm, fuzzy feeling? Is it, is it optimism on steroids? What, what is hope? Is it just being positive? Uh, some people say, well, I, I hope the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. That's not hope. That would be a miracle, can I tell you? <laughs> a miracle. I hope I get a big income tax refund. I, I hope I make it on time. I hope I pay off the car early. We use the word hope all the time. What, what is hope? Hope probably is a mixture of several things. It, there is there is expectation, there is faith, there is patience, there is joy. You probably put a quarter cup of each of that together, mix it together, and let your soul consume it and be strengthened. That's what it is. Hope is in the, is in the spirit. It's not a cliche. It's not positive mental attitude. Do you know that through biochemistry, they have actually located the part of the human brain that generates hope. Absolutely they have. They tell us that hope is in the frontal lobe of the brain. Now what's interesting to me about that, out of the same area where they tell us hope is generated from, is the same place of free will. Isn't that interesting? In other words, we can choose hope. We can choose to be people of hope. We can go against the grain. You can go against family lineage. You can go against how the, you were raised in the dysfunction of the past. You can choose to be different. You can embrace hope. What's also interesting to me is that understanding and what they call sense-making, making sense of figuring things out, for th- connecting the dots, Both understanding and sense-making is not in the frontal lobe. It's not in the area of hope. That's why a person can can say, you know what, I I, want to be the administrator of a hospital. I I, want to be the mayor of a city. I I, want to be a a surgeon. I want to go in the family saying, wow, how how are you going to do that? How are you going to pay for that? I mean, you're hoping for a big thing. you got a big dream there. How are you going to get it together? How are you going to get the scholarship? And how are you going to do this? They say, I have no idea how that's going to come about. You see, hope, hope has nothing to do with understanding and sense-making. 
You can choose hope even when circumstances don't agree, when conditions don't seem to support it. You can reach beyond the condition and embrace hope and hope be the thing that carry us forward and move us forward. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. It's the story of the wise men. And I believe in verse number 1 and number 2 of the Gospel of Matthew is going to give us an understanding, the Christmas star, if you please. The Christmas star represents hope to us, represents a new hope. Again, the story of the wise men. The Bible tells us in verse number 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, NIV says, some versions say wise men. We would traditionally call them the wise men. Uh, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, that's the Christmas star, we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. Now, what's interesting about this, they are in a region called Persia, 1,400 miles from Bethlehem. How did they know that a particular phenomenon in the skies, an astronomical phenomenon, was connected to what God was going to do? Because 600 B.C., something happened, and it's recorded in our history books. It's called the Babylonian Captivity. A superpower of that time went in and invaded Israel took the people of Israel into slavery for 70 years. And while they went to Babylon, went to Persia, they took their scrolls. We call them the Old Testament. And while they were there in Babylon during the 70 years, they were reading the scrolls and they were telling the people of Babylon about prophecies, both in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Micah, that a star would arise and it would announce the coming king. And somehow these wise men, these men of learned, were looking at the heavens and noticed a phenomenon and recognized it probably related to the prophecies they heard from the Jewish people. And they embarked upon an arduous journey and came to a place called Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus. And I want to suggest to us this account, these two verses teach us something about God's new hope for every one of us. And I'd like to share them with you today. Number one, I'd like to share with you hope acts now. Hope acts now. Why does hope take a step now? Why does hope act now? Because hope believes. Hope acts now because hope believes notice in verse number two the wise men said we saw the star and we have come did they say we figured it out did they say we know all about it we charted it we've heard about it in fact we know how we're going to do it we know what it's all about where they no they simply saw the star and they acted on it hope acts now they acted we are here because we saw a star Sometimes in life, you're not going to figure it all out. The wise men didn't. They didn't fully discern all that was occurring, all that the star meant. But the moment they saw it, there was something in their heart and their spirit that generated the hope to follow it. In other words, they followed the brightest light and the darkest night. That is hope. 
following the brightest light and the darkest night. When nothing seems to work, when you can't figure it out, when it doesn't seem to make sense, when you don't have the finances, you don't have the plan, you don't have the rationale. Remember, in the area where you have hope is not the area of understanding and sense-making. Sometimes when it doesn't make sense, sometimes when we can't connect the dots, we just grab on in hope and we move out and we believe God will do the best. The one thing about depression and despondency, it always causes people to shut down. You talk to somebody in depression, they say, you know what, I know I should, and I, I, I should have already done it, but I don't feel like it. I just don't have what it takes. I don't have the motivation. I don't have the energy. I don't have it. I don't have they all, Despondency, hopelessness always causes you to do nothing, just to soak, just to kind of close up and shut down. But hope inspires us to act now, to take the step, to move forward. Let, let me say it like this. Let me put it to us like this. Hope acts now, not when. Hope acts now, not when. Well, when, when we're getting along better, when I get the promotion, when I make more money, when I pay off the car, when I finish with school, when we're getting along better, when I see signs of it, when I see that this is working out, when I see there's evidence of, and ho- hope doesn't act when Hope acts now. And many of us, we're saying, well, when things change, when things get better, when I see evidence of, I see the proof of. Hope takes us from from if only to what if. From if only to what if. If only my spouse understood me. If only I could get a raise. If only I could get the scholarship. If only circumstances were working to my favor. If only people understood and appreciated. If only my spouse loved me more. If only my kids could understand me more. If only. And hope takes us from the if only to the what if. What if. I went ahead and left this job that I'm not fulfilled in and I feel like it doesn't have any purpose and I began to do the thing I believe I was created for. What if I forgave the past and began to act like things are not, think we're, we're not caught in the deadlock of wedlock? What, what, what if I just made the decision? What if I started the business? What if I did my best? What if I walked in and asked my boss for a raise and tell him that I want to go to the next level? What if I took control of my circumstances and I didn't soak in it? What if I just took that step of faith forward and did my very best? Hope takes us from uh, only if to what if. It takes us out of feeling that we can't do anything about it. Moving from our limitations. If we will move from our limitations, God will move beyond our imagination. And some of us are caught. God, I just can't see how it's going to work. I'll assure us, the wise man, they didn't have the whole plan figured out. They just saw a star and the Bible says they rose up and they went. Sometimes it's just getting up and moving on. Faith is not the absence of trouble. And some of us think that. Some of us think having hope and faith in God is the absence of trouble. Well, God's in it and I believe God. I should have no problem. It should be easy on, easy off. No. No. 
In fact, the psalmist will tell us in Psalm chapter 42, he said, my soul is cast down. My, my spirit is troubled within me. What do you do? He goes on in that verse. He says, I'm going to hope in God for I will yet praise him. You see, hope is not the absence of trouble. It's the confidence to move forward. The confidence to move forward, regardless of what it looks like. Young adult, you don't have to have a scholarship. Chase the dream. It may not make sense. Chase the dream God has for you. Couples, you may not see how you're going to work. He said, I've gone to three different counselors and I still feel the same. Move forward. Have the hope to believe that God can change your feelings. Move forward in it. It's the ability, the confidence to move forward. You know your automobile does not have a forward? That's right. Have you ever noticed that? It has reverse, it has neutral, but it's called drive. I think it ought to be called forward. How about you? I said, well, I've got a reverse, it ought to be forward. Because we go forward. Some of us, we're in reverse right now. We're going backwards. We're saying, I wish it was like then. I wish it could be like it used to be. I like the good old days. You like the good old days? I don't want a rotary phone. I don't know about you. I don't, not, the, the good old days were not that good. Amen. Can I get an amen out there? You know what I'm talking about? But some of us are caught in the present. We're just in neutral. We're, we're idling, but we're just staying in the same place all the time. We need to move forward, not caught, not living, not dwelling, not soaking in that moment. I can remember my mother saying to me one time, and I can hear her voice even now, mom's in heaven. But there was a time mom was facing some, can I tell you, some formidable challenges. She, she was raising three boys and taking them to church without, without the support of my dad. My dad loved us, but my dad wouldn't go to church. And mom kept us three boys in church. And I'm here today because of a faithful mom who went to church, gave, followed God, even at the time when dad didn't. I so appreciate moms that do that. Just keep moving forward, moms. Keep moving forward, single moms. Don't give up on that dream and that hope. But there was a time dad wasn't going to church and mom was doing it all alone. There was a time her youngest son, my, my younger brother, was in prison. Then my older brother going through divorce my dad cast in his retirement, all the retirement he had through his company to help pay legal bills for my brother. And then the house they paid off, they went and got a second note on borrowed money to help pay additional legal bills. And then my dad lost his job. He had for 28 years, the company shut down, had a remortgage, no way to pay it off had two sons that were struggling with issues at that particular time. And I can remember my mom saying to me with tearful eyes, and I can still see her lip trembling, and she was telling me, if God is for me, nobody will be against me. Where did that come from? That didn't come from sense-making. That didn't come from the understanding. There was a frontal lobe the Holy Spirit inspired and put a promise, a hope inside of her, and she held on to that. That's what God does when you can't figure it out. God's working behind the scenes. 
And I encourage you, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. What God spoke into your spirit. That hope, don't let it be drowned by circumstances and arguments and details and distractions. Hope acts now. Not only that, number two, I want to share with you, hope always discovers more than first anticipated. Hope always discovers more than initially expected. Hope always sees more than than you thought could happen. Some of us are saying, well, why should I try? You're you're, you're thinking you're you're not going to get to a 10 in your marriage. You're not going to get up here. I'm not going to get out of debt. You're just trying to get at at a level that you could just tolerate the frustrations. Can I tell you, God has more. Hope will always discover God's 10. And sometimes our doubts and our frustration tell us to just live at a 2.5 or a 4.3. Hope always discovers more than expected. Notice what it says in verse number 2. The wise men said, Where is the one that's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. There is something in that verse that reading through it, many of us don't catch. It's the phrase. It's the question they ask. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? King of the Jews. What does that mean? They they were 1,400 miles away. They came looking for a king. A king. They were on a diplomatic mission. They literally thought that a neighboring nation, the nation of Israel, would have a new king And he would rule over the land. There would be a throne. Why? Because they went to Jerusalem, which was the capital city. That's where a king would be. You would expect a king to be in the capital city, in the throne, ruling over the land, the territory, exacting taxes, and everybody paying homage to him. So they were going on a diplomatic mission. They traveled a boring, arduous journey of 1,400 miles. Not by Southwest Airline, okay? They they didn't get free baggage check here. They went walking or by camel. Most scholars think that it took it probably at least two years. At least several months. But as long as two years in the journey, they're moving through the desert to oasis, to oasis, the short journey of about 10 to 20 miles a day until they finally get down to Bethlehem. They came on a diplomatic mission. All through this journey of two years, they think they're going to pay homage to an earthly king because their question is, where is he that's born king of the Jews? But what they didn't know, you see, hope always discovers more. They were going to discover he's not just king, he's Savior and Lord. They never anticipated that. They never saw that one. They never saw. They go to Jerusalem, he's not there. And they look for the star, and then all of a sudden, I'll finish this next week on part two here, the star reappears. And then they go to Bethlehem, and then finally they realize he's not going to rule the land. He wants to rule the heart. He's... He's king of the heart. He's Savior and Lord. 
Hope always discovers more. And some of us are saying, I can't, I won't, I, I just won't go through that again. Sometimes you, go, you get broken in a divorce and you want to build a wall, a firewall, and keep people out. Hibernate behind the pain, the rejection. Don't do that. Don't live there. Don't, don't let your hopes be crushed because of an experience. coming. Hope always discovers more. And these wise men went on a journey they didn't understand for two years until they finally came to Bethlehem and realized he's not only king, he's Savior and Lord. When I was a kid, I'm sure many of you did as well, but uh, did you ever play hide-and-seek? You ever play hide-and-seek? I mean, we didn't have all the video games. there. We had to invent games. We had to entertain ourselves. Mom would say, go outside and play. If it was cold, snowy, or whatever, we played sometimes hide-and-seek in the house. That's not really too fun. I mean, you can look behind the couch or look behind the curtain. Can I tell you, the key to hide-and-seek is you've got to have a good hiding place. But we would go outside. Some of the neighbor friends would get together, and we would play hide-and-seek. Hide-and-seek is the game. There's somebody we call it. You're it. You're it. You go to this base, usually like a tree or, or something or a vehicle, and you would hide your face and you would count maybe to 10 or to 20 or 50 or whatever the case may be. And all of the rest of us, we would go hide somewhere. Okay, the key to hide and seek is you've got to have a good hiding place. That's the key to hide and seek. So I, I wouldn't hide behind a tree or a bush. I mean, that's too easy. You don't go on the porch. I mean, you've got you to come up with a great hiding place. So we'd hide and get somewhere. Sometimes we get on a shed or something. I mean, we're, we're hoisting each other up and pushing and getting a hand, and we're laying on top of the shed. I mean, we want a good hiding place. And then the person that's it, they're going around looking. And if they find you, if they spot you, they go back to base, and they call you out, and if they beat, beat you back to base, then you're it. Now, everybody else is hiding. So what did they do? The one that was it would say, all ye, all ye, come out free. And we would get off the, off the shed or we would crawl out from underneath the car or behind the fence across the way of the neighbor. We'd come out and we'd come back to the base to start all over again. What I want you to know is God's not hiding from you. God's not hiding from you. God wants to be known. God desires for us to find him. God desires us to know him. He's not hiding from us. But some of us have been hiding from God. Some of us, we've been hiding behind excuse, behind mistake, behind pain, behind lifestyle. Well, some of us are hiding behind success. We're saying, see, God, how good a job I do with life without you. You're hiding from God. And God... Is not hiding from you. You see, God is the one doing the seeking. We really think the wise men are looking for Jesus, but 
what the Christmas star tells us is God's looking for everyone. He's looking for everyone. And he has something to say to everyone in this room today. That's what the Christmas star says. The first thing it says, come all ye, come all ye. Yeah, sounds like the Christmas song, doesn't it? Isn't there a Christmas song like that? Come all ye. It's missing a word. It says faithful, but it's missing a word. I want to suggest to you that song is missing an important word. It should say, come all ye faithful and unfaithful. For you see, you don't have to have it together to come to God. You can be faithful or unfaithful. You may have messed up. You may have turned away. You may have, have so destroyed things. You, you, you may have been a knucklehead in life. You may have made some bad choices. You may have made some terrible choices with family, yourself. Maybe you've ruined something. But you know what he says to you? Come on, ye. Come on, ye. You don't have to be in good shape to come to God. The faithful and the unfaithful can come to him. It's good news. Not only that, he says, come all ye and come all the way. All the way. What am I saying? Did you notice the wise men, they didn't stop in, in Jerusalem? They went all the way. They went all the way to Bethlehem. And God wants you to come all the way to him. I know you believe in God, but you haven't come all the way. You have God in a little corner, separated God only in this area, and you, you tell God what you will believe and what you won't believe. You'll tell God, I believe this about the Bible, but I won't believe this. I, I'll accept this, but I won't accept that. I, 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 I'm feeling spiritual, but God, I want spirituality on my terms. And Jesus is saying, come all the way. Come all the way to Him. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you that chance to come all the way to God. Some of us believe, and that's great. I applaud that. But there's, there's one step more, and that's receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord. Yeah. Giving your heart over to Him. And not only come all the way, here's what He says as well. Come all ye come all ye free free <laughs> so glad it's there glad I don't have to earn it glad I don't have to merit it because if I if I could earn it guess what the strong and the rich would have it and the weak and the poor would be without and Jesus said there's no way you're going to be left out come all ye free the church doesn't own it. We don't have a corner on it. We don't have a franchise on God's salvation we call making new. He freely gives it to you. And some of us are on a journey right now, have been for several months, and circumstances, circumstances have been speaking to you. And maybe your circumstances have caused you to lose hope. I want you to know in Jesus there's a new hope. Jesus has the way of stepping into our lives and making all things new. 
And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. So across this auditorium, balcony and main floor, I'm going to invite us. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? You say, Pastor, why do you do that? Because I want you to feel like you have a private audience with God right now. I don't want you to be thinking about anybody else. I want you to just have a heart conversation with God. And if you're ready to come all the way, if you're willing to come all the way at His invitation to give your heart to Christ, to have a making new moment, to say, I'm going to start over. I've lost hope in area. I try to do it myself. But to start over with God, I'm going to give you that opportunity. On the count of three, whether you're in the balcony or the main floor, I'm going to invite you just to raise your hand. Your hand going up. You're not joining the church. Because <laughs> no. we, can't, we can't give you what God can give you. Your hand going up is saying, I'm going all the way. This is the weekend. I'm, I'm going to follow the Christmas star. I'm going to go all the way and give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, count of three, just, just lift your hand. And you can put it right back down. So here's the most important question you've been asked all year long. Are you ready to receive Christ? One, two, three. Is that you? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Balcony. Yes. If you allow me, I'm going to give you some directions. I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me right now. If you would, please. Balcony, you're important. Right now, there are going to be prayer team members positioned in the aisleways right now. Please don't let the, 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 the feeling of, I would be the only one. You won't be the only one. I'm going to invite you to just step over to a prayer team member in the balcony right now. They're going to pray with you. This is an auditorium. People expect to meet Jesus here, and you're welcome, and you're important. And I'm going to invite you to slip over to somebody right now. They're going to pray with you. If you raised your hand and you're on the main floor right now, I'm going to invite you to just step out forward right now. Just step forward and come stand with me right here. Just just don't wait a minute. Just come right now and just stand with me right here. Yes, just join me. It's all right. It's welcoming. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you should. Would you join me right now? Come, just come all the way down. From the left to the right, the side, front and the back. I want you to join me right here. Right now. Thank you. People can just, you can attend and go right to a prayer team. If you're in the balcony and you want to come down here, you are welcome to join me. You raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to wait for you. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Yes. Those in the altar right now, I want you to know this is this is the most important decision you'll make. This decision changed my life at age 14. I, didn't, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't have a good explanation. But at an altar moment, I just said, God, 
I want to do life your way. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And Jesus came in. Explain that to me, Pastor. At 14, I couldn't explain anything to you. But I knew one day I went from darkness to light. And God changed my heart. And he's going to change your heart. What is required? God made it as clear as ABC. Admit you need God. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only son. And you're at A and B already. The third is C. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, somehow it just ought to be more difficult than that, shouldn't it? Yeah, if we would have left it to, to preachers in the church, it would be. But God determined that nobody would be left out. And it is as simple and as easy as saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And I'm going to lead you in that moment right now. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right here. Bow your heads. And if you'll give me the wonderful privilege, and I'm going to ask prayer team members to be prepared in just a moment to distribute information to these. We have a, we have a booklet and a DVD uh, if they'll be prepared that I'm going to lead you. So here it is. There's no magical words. It's faith in Jesus and asking Jesus to come into your heart. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say my exact words. But if you, will, if you will say a prayer similar to this, this is the prayer that changed my life. Jesus, I, I come to you right now, and I don't understand all that's going on, but I know I'm missing something, and I come to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me Seems like I've got to earn it, but I don't. I'm just going to ask you to forgive me. Forgive my doubts. Forgive my mistakes. Forgive my sins. Forgive all the times I, I rejected and turned away, spoke wrong, did wrong, lashed out. If I've, if I've sinned, God, forgive all of our sins. And now, Jesus... I want to do life different. And I'm going to invite you to come into my heart right now. I'm going to invite Jesus to come in and be my Lord and Savior. I know that requires something of me. And I know, God, you're going to lead me and guide me in this. You're going to teach me to follow God. And I'm going to have to make some other decisions that's going to be a product of this. But, God, I'm willing to do it because I want to do life your way. Jesus, save me. Take control of my life. Teach me to trust you and teach me to follow you. I ask this. I, I offer this prayer in the name of Jesus, God's one and only Son. was a prayer like that that God changed me 
And I'm going to ask the prayer team. They've got something to give you. There's no, this is just a, a New Testament we want to put in your hand. And I have a DVD that just explains in nine minutes what just happened in your heart with Scripture. In nine minutes this week, if you'll take and listen to that, I take you through Scripture after Scripture in the New Testament, what God has just done. I want to welcome you to God's family. You prayed in faith. God has worked and changed your life. And all the wrong you did, God has a delete button, and he just pushed it. And zip, it's all gone. That's called forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And I want you to know our hearts hug you. We want God's best for you. We want you to follow the Lord. And as a church, if we can do anything to encourage your faith walk, we want to do it. In the balcony, the same thing. Same thing. In the balcony, we, we love the fact that you come. You're important to God. You're, you're somebody that God has spoken to this morning. I saw the hands. And I pray that your heart was touched and your heart was stirred in your prayer moment in the balcony. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I speak God's blessing and God's goodness upon your heart and life today. Thank you. Westover, thank you for joining us. Go in the goodness of the Lord. Next weekend is part two of this message. I hope to see you then. Blessings to you.